Hey there, it's Jason. Welcome to the Jason Wright Show, where the mission is very simple. It is to improve always in all ways. Look, I am on a mission to create the absolute best version of myself. And through the Jason Wright Show, I let you know everything I'm doing to make that happen. I interview incredible, remarkable, brilliant individuals from all different walks of life. And I also try to bring you tools, tactics, and protocols that will help you in your own personal mission to improve always in always. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Jason Wright Show. Today is a little bit of an unusual episode in that I am going to use this entire episode as a confessional. That's right. I'm coming clean. So turn up the radio, your AirPods, whatever, however you're listening to me today, tune in because old JW is about to be very transparent with you, all in the name of helping you develop a growth mindset. I'm willing to sacrifice all the good you think of me and all the amazing things that you think the improve always and always guys capable of in order that you may yourself improve your mindset. So I thought what I would do is give you a very clear and transparent description of how I have overcome a fixed mindset. Now, here's the deal. I got to tell you, I am not completely over my fixed mindset. It still rears its ugly head on occasion, and I know it always will. But I thought instead of, like I've talked about growth mindset before, and those of you who know me, as a matter of fact, uh, I've had people that they'll take one of my courses and they'll come up to me and they'll say something like, hey, I'm saying the word yet at the end of things that I don't think I can do, uh, because that's a big part of a growth mindset is that I can't do this yet. I'm not good at this yet. So I appreciate that. But I thought instead of this just being a kind of a textbook training on how to start to develop a growth mindset, I would give you a clear example of what a fixed mindset looks like and how debilitating it can be and the impact it can have on choices you make, endeavors that you pursue, and just goals you set, goals you achieve as as it relates to me, my life. And I figured, you know, well, it's kind of narcissistic and and monopolizing to only talk about yourself, but I figure if I'm just kind of beating up on myself, then that's okay, right? I mean, and, and all of this is meant to help you understand that one, just because I'm the guy with the microphone does not mean that I have mastered all of the things I talk about, that I teach, that I interview people on, I try to learn. I haven't mastered a lot of it. I'm only trying to get better. And as a matter of fact, I hope that my life at this point is a walking example of someone who not only appreciates and respects and understands the power of a growth mindset, but someone who is practicing and and is walk is a walking testimony of someone who truly believes in this stuff and the power that it has because I know that one of the biggest hindrances to any success I've ever had anything I want to do in, in relationships and in jobs in sport a lot of the the biggest hindrance was all in my mind as 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 most of our problems are most of our problems and obstacles and the things that we do not achieve in this life are the result of what 
happens between our ears more than anything else. And for me, that was my fixed mindset. So let's just get into a little bit of my confessional. This, And I'm, I'm titling this uh, episode, Confessions of a Recovering Fixed Mindset. So let's take it back to Stephen F. Austin State University circa 1994. At that time, I rode through campus donning Jerbo jeans. You remember Jerbo jeans? Those were so amazing. All In all their Big, wide-legged wonder. They were so great. I was wearing a Peter Brady t-shirt, tucked in, by the way, with a braided leather belt. All of this, this dude with that beautiful ensemble on while cruising through campus on a lime green, huffy mountain bike. With the seat not raised, by the way. No, it was the seat was low. It was bright green. I had to have looked like the biggest tool shed that had ever approached the Stephen F. Austin State University campus. At that time, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I had no clue what I wanted to major in. I was the first member of my family to go to college, so I really didn't have a lot of understanding of how college worked, and I was was clueless, not just about how I dressed, but how college worked in general. If you'd asked me at the time what I wanted to do, here was the job that I made up in my fixed-minded head that I wanted to do. So, Jason... What do you want to do whenever you graduate? Well, you know, I think I want to be a bit of a corporate frontman. Literally, I made that up, corporate frontman. Now, you may ask yourself, so what the hell is a corporate frontman? I'll tell you, I don't know. I have I made it up. Really, in my mind, I knew what it was. I wanted to be like a corporate sales rep. I wanted to be a pharmaceutical sales rep. So like, because here's the thing. I thought that's all I was capable of doing. I didn't think that I had the brain power to be an attorney. I knew I didn't have the brain power to do anything in the sciences. So I knew I was probably destined for sales of some kind. But to say that made me sound like I wasn't as smart as I wanted everybody to think I was. So therefore, I was destined to be a corporate frontman. I even said this in an interview, and I, and I can't believe the people, they, they still offer me a job. I, I would have said, dude, who is this ass clown saying that he's going to be a corporate frontman? What in the world is that? Well, the time came that I had to actually declare a major, and I knew I was headed into business of some sort, like I said, but there was a problem. I was so terrible at math that there was no way I was going to get a business degree. I actually took uh, finite math one semester. Well, I didn't even take it for the whole semester. I knew I was going to fail it. So I dropped the course before I failed and got out. And then I was like, I don't know what to do. I, I'm so bad at math. There's no way a business degree is in my future. So I got to go declare another major. Now, here's the thing I want to pause on real quick. My thinking that I was bad at math, because in my mind, you were either, at the time, you're either good at math or you're not. And if you're not, you have to adjust your goals and ambitions to fit with the fact that you just are not good at math. And so for me, that meant that a business degree was out of the question for me. So just this, this mindset of I'm not good at math and I never will be, and I can't improve at math. I can't improve enough. I would never be as talented as Einstein at mathematics, that's for sure. I didn't have to be. I wasn't going to go be a physicist or something like that. It never occurred to me to tell myself, you know, hey, you could actually take some tutoring, learn this, get good enough to get through business school. Instead, I was like, nope. So I completely changed my major. 
which was to communications with an emphasis in journalism. I had never even considered being a journalist of any kind. And here's the thing, too. So I get over there in journalism, and I'm and right across from where one of my courses on uh, news writing was the broadcast studio, where people that were majoring in broadcast journalism that wanted to be talking heads and on the news and do video, they were right there. And I thought, man, that's something I would love. I love to speak. I mean, look at me. I've got a microphone and I'm doing this now. I love doing this. I love communicating. I love mass communications. But here's the thing. I thought to myself, well, you know, the problem is everyone wants to do that. Everyone wants to be a broadcast journalist. I mean, who doesn't want to be at the time? The next Peter Jennings. I mean, that's I couldn't do that. I'm Jason Wright, Sulphur Springs, Texas, first generation, soon to be college graduate. No way. That's not that that doesn't happen for people like me. So my fixed mindset said, nope, don't even try. But as I mentioned, the class that I was taking right across from the broadcast journalism studio was news writing. And guess what? I was pretty good at news writing. I loved writing headlines. I, I, I loved a, I figured out AP style and I could crush, you know, a story in five sentences per paragraph and keep it short and concise. And it was just, it was easy for me. And I remember even my professor was like, you know, you're really good at this. Do you, do you want to write? And I, and I thought to myself, well, yeah, that'd be great. But you know what? Because of my fixed mindset, I really never gave it any consideration. Because in my mind, first-generation college graduates from Sulphur Springs, Texas, that don't know their, their butt from a hole in the ground like me, riding around on lime green mountain bikes with a Peter Brady t-shirt tucked into his trapeze and held up by a braided leather belt, do not go write for CNN, the New York Times, fill in the blank, Wall Street Journal. That's just, nah, that couldn't happen to me. So guess what? I limited myself. I didn't even try. I didn't even think to myself you know what, you could work your way to be good enough. And if it means enough to you, you can work toward this goal. My fixed mindset did not allow for that. Here's another thing. So so that's just, so there's one of the, there's a couple of examples of how very early on my fixed mindset kept me from even pursuing careers and ambitions that could have been amazing, that could have opened doors to amazing opportunities for me that I'll never know. I'll go to my deathbed knowing or never knowing whether I could have been on the news or whatever. And then there's an integrity part of, of the um, growth versus fixed mindset that, that, that impacted me. And I'm still embarrassed of this to this day, but, and I'm going to let you know the Jason Rod audience, here it comes. This is a confessional. I told you there was a time I was in Washington, DC early in my career and I was uh, working for this small software company and we're at dinner and the, the subject of international travel comes up, and we start talking about Europe. And I remember one of my the buddies uh, that I worked with, he turned to me and he said, so, Jason, you've been known to internationally rock the microphone, just kind of being funny, you know, like, like I traveled internationally. Where's your favorite place in Europe? Now, someone who is not obsessed with looking good, which is a, an artifact, or an indicator of a fixed-minded person that you're so obsessed with looking good. Any any talent, any anything that you have that you think exhibits intelligence, talent, or anything, if you don't possess that, then you will find another way to make up for it by sometimes just stretching the truth a little bit. Well, I looked at him and said, you know, I've, I've been to Salzburg, the birthplace of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. At the time I was reading Ron Chernow's biography on Mozart, it was just the first European country that came into mind, and uh, 
and I busted out that I had been there. Complete lie, complete BS. For what? So that these two guys didn't know the truth about me, which was, I'd never been to Europe. I'd only been like to Mexico and hardly anywhere. I hadn't traveled hardly anywhere at that time. Been on a couple of cruises, maybe. And I didn't want them to think lesser of me. So that's what a fixed-minded person will do. A fixed-minded person thinks that everything that they deem as important, as successful, if they haven't achieved that, well, then they've got to figure out some way to make up for it. One of my favorite fictitious examples of this is George Louis Costanza, a.k.a. Art Vandalay. If you want to know what a fixed-minded person looks like, look no further than George Louis Costanza on Seinfeld. George was always stretching the truth to make himself look better than he was. He thought he thought of himself basically what he was, kind of a loser, Kind of a, which is kind of weird because that character is based on Larry David, one of the most brilliant comedy writers of all time, right? But nevertheless, I digress. He would, he made himself up to be an architect, Art Vandalay. One time he was a marine biologist. Remember that one? Uh, then the, the, there's a whole episode on him lying about his SAT scores and he's dating this girl that wants to give him an IQ test. He knows he's going to bomb it. So he tries to have Elaine come in and take the test for him. It's just a disaster. All of this was the fact, was due to the fact that George Costanza, possessed a terrible, terrible fixed mindset. And he was willing to compromise his integrity, who he was, and just make up lies to actually overcome his, you know, what people might think of him. And that's what the fixed-minded person will do. They will constantly try to overcome their their true identity with these these ridiculous ridiculous mental gymnastics and nonsense. And and here's the thing that is really sad about it for most of us. Let's go back to my early days and how my fixed mindset kept me from pursuing things that could have been pretty cool. I remember seventh grade, we're going out for, it's the first year we get to play football back in Sulphur Springs. And, um, and everybody's deciding what position they're going to play. Now, at the time, I was a big kid. I was taller than everybody. I was faster than everybody. I mean, I was totally made to be a quarterback. I really was. Had a good arm. In seventh grade, I mean, how good and talented can you be? But against my peers, I could outrun all of them. I was bigger than all of them. I was stronger than all of them. I should have been the quarterback. I could have played any position I wanted. You know why I didn't go out for quarterback? Everybody wants to be the quarterback. Why should I go out for the quarterback? Because here's the thing. If everybody wants to be the quarterback, that means the competition is really stiff. And when the competition is really stiff, when there's a lot of people wanting a thing, that means you might lose. And the fixed-minded person like me, like I was, was someone that was so incredibly frightened of not losing. See, here's the difference. Here's the difference between a fixed and growth mindset person. Lean in, listen, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this really clearly. The fixed-minded person doesn't lose a competition. The fixed-minded person walks away a loser. The growth-minded person battles it out, has a blast, and walks away. They lost that competition, but it has nothing to do with them. They're an athlete that lost a competition. The fixed-minded person is a loser that lost the competition. Are you seeing me? Are you, are you, you understand what I'm saying? And that's who I was. I went through so much of life. If I could, If I didn't think I could control the facade and the image of who I was, was, whether I was good, whether I was talented, whether I was smart, whatever the case may be, that I wouldn't even compete at all. 
And so I never even tried to play quarterback. So now I'll never know. I could have been the next Tom Brady, which is a great example. The most, one of the most amazing examples of a growth mindset, because here's the deal. Tom, who's a little younger than I am, had we at that time somehow in some universe, either he's in Sulphur Springs or I'm out in California where he's from, and we ended up seventh grade going out for football. Here's the difference between Tom Brady and I. I had all the talent, but none of the mindset. He had all of the mindset and essentially none of the talent. Tom Brady was one of the worst quarterbacks at his combine. He was gangly. He was slow. I don't think he, I think he ran like a 5-1. I mean, he was slow. There were defensive tackles that were faster than Tom Brady. His arm was okay, not great. I mean, his, his combine was basically just not good. But Tom Brady had this killer mindset that he loved the game and he was willing to, he wanted it bad enough that he would compete and he would overcome any deficiency he had physically to get to where he wanted to. I had the exact opposite. I had all the talent, but none of the mindset to overcome. And so therefore, he became the greatest quarterback of all time. And I didn't, and I probably would have. I probably would have been better than Tom Brady, let's face it. You know, at least that's what I'm going to tell my grandchildren. You know what? Your your pop pop, your paw paw, he could have been and would have been the greatest NFL quarterback of all time, but for my fixed mindset. I think they'll buy it, don't you? Well, here's what I want to remind you of. Look for and, and, and the reason why I wanted to come on and, and kind of pounce on this a little bit because I'm I'm, I'm doing some writing right now uh, for my next course that I'm so pumped to get out there. I'm revising Massively Transformative Habits and I'm writing a book to go with it. It's going to be awesome. I'm really fired up about it. And I was going through some some notes on mindset and and I just thought, you know, it's time to have a mindset sermon and a confessional to the audience. And that's what this is. Because a lot, and a lot of times we think of talking about a growth versus fixed mindset in the sense that it's all about achieving your goals and being someone who can just be an overcomer and doing all these things. But it's so much more than that. It's about not being willing to live a life of adventure and fullness because of things that you limit yourself from doing. You you put up these self limitations. And the thing is, if there's one thing that I can that I can look at my life and and know that has helped me overcome my fixed mindset is this. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what people think of me. If I if I lose, if I trip, if I fall, if I fail, it doesn't matter. I got a little better. I learned how to do something differently. A great book right now that I'm finishing up is Nar Country by Stephen Kotler. Stephen Kotler is one of my favorite authors. He writes a ton on uh, flow and a flow mindset, or not flow mindset, but just a, a flow state. And he is he he passed the 50 year old threshold, and now he's really interested in longevity. And one of the things that he's doing to try to increase his longevity and just to show that you can do things over the age of 50 is he's taking up park skiing. Now, I don't know anything about park skiing except from what I'm reading in this book. Essentially, it's like trick skiing. 
it's where these guys do these crazy like acrobatics and kind of like imagine like the stuff that guys do on skateboards, but it's on skis and it's very dangerous. It's very hard. It's very complicated. And it's usually a, a sport that is reserved for very young people. But Stephen Kotler has decided that he is going, he's a, he's an avid skier and he has decided that he wants to take up park skiing at the age of 50 something. I can't remember how old Stephen is. And as a result, he is going to be, and he has, he documents it in the book. He's busting his tail in and out constantly, looking like a fool, looking like a moron, just looking horrible doing this. But because of his growth mindset, he doesn't care what he looks like. He's not trying to look good. He's trying to become good. And that, my friends, is the difference. You're looking at a guy that for years and years, no matter what I was pursuing, I was so obsessed with looking good. And here's here's the thing that a fixed mindset person will do. And this is what I practiced for years. I thought, if I can do a lot of things that make me look like I'm really successful, then behind the scenes when no one is looking, then I'll really try to do some good things. And, and finally, one day, one day, the, 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 the Jason that's behind the curtain, the Jason that's actually trying to work and become good will match up with the image that Jason has created of this successful, outgoing, crushing it at everything he does persona. And then it'll be, whew, okay, I did it. I became successful while no one was looking, while they were thinking I was successful all along. Little do they know, I was a complete moron. That's how I used to operate. No more, no more. Now, I take on goals that if you happen to see me pursuing a goal and you see me fail at that goal, that's cool. I'm learning from it. I just, I'm not worried about looking good nearly as much as I'm worried about being good, doing good, being talented, getting to, getting to a higher level. That is all up. That's the motto of the show. Improve always in always is not by accident. It is all because that is what I'm on a mission to do. If I can just get a little better today than I was yesterday, it's a win. And if I look like a complete jackass trying to get there, oh, well, that happens. That's part of it. But that doesn't mean that I'm a loser. That doesn't mean that I am not worthy of pursuing it another day because the pursuit and the journey and getting better, that is now the mission. It's not what you or anyone else thinks of me. And so... I hope that this little confessional gives you enough inspiration to take inventory of your life, of the things you're pursuing, or better yet, the things you're not pursuing. If there's anything that you are not going after because you just think you cannot, you could never get better at that thing, or or, or people may think, God, what an idiot. I can't believe he tried that. I can't believe he would do such a thing. Wow, what a moron. First of all, let me tell you something. People aren't thinking nearly as much of you as you think they are. They got their own lives, their own problems, their own issues. And in fact, the ones that you really care about are the ones that are going to see you take on a task and say to themselves, man, that's awesome. I want to do something like that. I wish I had that kind of courage. That's that's who those people. That, and those are the ones. And, but, but even those, it doesn't matter. 
Make your goals, your ambitions, the things you're trying to achieve about making yourself better for the sake of getting better. Don't make everything a zero-sum game. Have you ever worked with someone who is scared to death to give you information at work that might be helpful to the rest of the organization because they're so afraid that that like that is their treasure. Their their whatever knowledge, whatever thing they have, it is their baby and they're going to hold it close to the vest because if they give it up, they're afraid what value do I have to the company? You ever worked with anybody like that? That's because they they're fixed-minded and fixed-minded people have they live a life of a zero it's a zero sum game. Either I win and you lose or you win and I lose and I'm going to do everything in my power, even if it means lying, cheating, stealing, keeping things from you. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to win because I don't have the talent to just win. And if I do lose, be happy for you, be excited for what it did for the organization and know that this was never a competition to begin with. We're just all here doing the best we can and I'm going to focus on getting better and being a good and integral part of this organization and your friend and your your colleague, whatever the case may be. That's where you have to get to. If you ever want to have a shot at truly crushing this life, having fun in this life, make life a game. That's one of the things, too. And this is where I'm going to end this. Carol Dweck, the researcher at Stanford that pioneered the growth versus fixed mindset research whenever she was figuring all this out, it came from watching kids. What she wanted to do was figure out why is it that some kids – when they take a test and they fail, they're just crushed. They, I mean, they're just devastated. And, and their, their comeback is so long if they come back at all. While other kids, they would take tests or work puzzles or do things that they were like, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm good. Let's do it again. They, they just bounce back. She's like, why is it? What is it? And what she found, surprisingly enough, was the kids that almost – could not, they were just debilitated by their by a, the failure of a task, were the quote-unquote smart kids, the, the academically sound kids. Why? Because those kids have been told their whole lives, you're smart, you're smart, you're smart. The, the, the other kids that kind of below, below them academically, no one ever told them they were smart. So guess what? They had nothing to lose. They were just having fun. The harder the puzzle, the more fun. They were just doing it for the fun of it. They weren't doing it to either affirm their intelligence or prove their intelligence. They were just having fun. So what if you went through life like that? What if you went through life knowing that you were completely detached from the outcome? It had no bearing on whether you are a winner or a loser. I mean, hell, you can make millions and millions and millions of dollars. You can go to the Hall of Fame for being able to hit a baseball only three out of every 10 times. Okay. But I, I would guarantee you, if somebody said, you know, I can only hit the baseball and for 30% of the time. But would you call someone like, you know, fill in the blank, Don Mattingly, gosh, showing my age, a loser because he batted around 300? No, you'd call him. Amazing. You call him Donnie Baseball. That's how life is. It's not about winning every single time. It's about having fun, making a game of this thing called life. Detach your identity from a win or a loss. Never leave a competition as a loser, but rather someone who got in the ring and lost that competition. 
big difference. If you can do this, then there's no limit. I'll, I'll wrap it up with one more confessional. It was around 2016, I guess, and I got a call asking if I would run for Congress, to which I said, absolutely not. I mean, it was a district that I didn't live in, and um, I just, that point of life, it passed me by, and I thought, no, I don't, I just don't think that this is the right thing to do. But after a lot of thought and a lot of counsel, here's what it came down to for me, and here's where my growth mindset, I think probably that late in life, really took hold. I finally said, yes, I'll do it. I ran for Congress, got spanked, lost, which, I mean, you lose in front of a lot of people, right? You get people that are are giving you their treasure, their time, they're volunteering for you, they're knocking on doors for you. It's, It's a big, visible loss. You've got your haters that are like, aha, you know, there he is. He thought he was, you know, this and that and just got like, I love it. I love watching that guy lose, even though they didn't know me. But you know the way, you know how I processed it? You know why I went ahead and entered that race? Because I wanted to eliminate the regret that I would one day have never knowing whether I should have represented my this district in the United States Congress or not. That regret is gone. I now know I lost. I'm not a loser. I, I, I don't look at myself as a loser as a result of that race. I just look at it as I tried and failed at that. But I'm so glad that I did it. I learned so much from it. And having that big visible loss has done more to help me overcome other obstacles and pursue things I otherwise would not. Because it, when, you, when you start to realize that just there's really no downside to taking a big chance like that, there really isn't. There's only education. There's only learning. And you become less defensive. People insult you. People can throw things at you. You're just not as hypersensitive because you're not, you're not wrapped up in your pride and this and this grandiose vision of yourself. You're just gaming life. You're just walking through, doing the best you can, always seeking to improve, no matter what it is. And you always realize it ain't about you. It's just about this thing, this time. And I'm going to go at it full full force. And I'm going to learn something. I'm going to get a little better. If you can do that then you will be on your road to a growth mindset and it is sweet. All right, that's it. I hope you guys have an incredible rest of your week. I have got the pipeline full. I've been kind of, the last two weeks, if you noticed, the the episodes are a little bit slower. It's because I traveled a lot last week and I just kind of, I've got a whole pipeline full of interviews coming up. So I know that's going to be kind of like crazy. So starting, I think, tomorrow through I don't know. I've got like seven interviews, eight interviews. I had one scheduled this morning, so I've got eight interviews lined up. So great, great conversations coming up for you. And I hope you'll tune into those. But until they happen, until we meet again, go go take on challenges that 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 you that you may not even realize that you that you you might go pursue things you otherwise may not have because you were afraid of how it might make you look. Just go do it. Go try it. Realize that it's not a zero sum game. There is no downside. There's only education. Until we meet again, continue to improve always and always. I'm Jason, and I'm out. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. It means more to me than you can possibly imagine. And if you enjoyed it, please consider going out to Apple and leaving us a five-star rating. That would mean the world to me. Also, follow me on Insta at Jason right now. And don't forget... 
download the Vitruvian Lab app. I mean it. I want to be your personal peak performance trainer. I want to help you improve always and always. Lastly, check out my newsletter, the Vitruvian Letter. You can subscribe at jasonrightnow.com. And until we meet again, please continue to endeavor to improve always in always. I'm out.